Good morning. Uh, you can remain standing. Uh, and we'll, yeah, get this taken up here pretty quickly. Uh, hopefully you have memorized this passage of uh, these eight verses. Yeah, let's read them together. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this time. I thank you for the fact that you have saved the best for now. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would minister to us, minister to our hearts, change us, Father, because we want to be conformed to the image of your Son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I really missed you guys last week. I, I really appreciate Kurt uh, taking, uh, taking the service. I understand that he did okay for a rookie. Uh, <laughs> of course, after the first service, you weren't a rookie anymore. Uh, not, th not that you had been anyway. Um, but uh, my heart is here. It's, it's, it's so good to be here. Um, uh, one thing briefly before we get into this, as we were reading that passage that everybody has memorized so far, uh, there was the passage about uh, a time to scatter and a time to gather. And it's very similar to this, but there's, there, there are important distinctions between the two. They're not the same at all. See, keeping is not, uh, is not the same thing as gathering. Gathering is bringing in something that you didn't already have and, and, and bringing it into the storehouse. Keeping is taking stock of what you already do have and deciding what's valuable, what, what, what should be kept. Um, and then throwing away is not about scattering. When the, when the sower went to sow the seed and throws the seed on the ground, he or she is not throwing it away. They're, they're, they're doing something. They're expecting uh, a, a return. When the church in Jerusalem was scattered, God wasn't throwing them away. They were, they were being scattered for a, for a purpose. And throwing away is a very important thing in and of itself, as we'll get to here in, uh, in just a second. There, there, are a couple of, uh, there are actually a couple of questions that arise from this passage. One of them is two parts, and it's the obvious one, and that is, well, what should we keep and what should we throw away? And we're definitely going to spend some time talking about that. But there's another question, and it's actually a question that runs through this entire passage. Because it says there's a time to keep and a time to throw away. Hmm, what is, what is the right time? Uh, clearly, there's no one-size-fits-all answer for this because there's so many, so many variables to it. However, 
depending on what you're throwing away, uh, it could be said that any time is the right time. That that could be said. And also, certainly there are things that it is always the right time to keep. But um, why this isn't isn't general. This is saying there's a specific time. And so what might that be? Uh, Generally, it's time to take stock when you're starting a new chapter. When a, when a new chapter is coming along, new, uh, a, a new season, certainly, if you will, is coming along. And sometimes this is by choice, um, but other chapters come whether you want them to or not. Uh, they, just, they just do. Uh, I, I'm in such a time right now uh, in, my, in my life. Uh, and it requires choices, choices about what to keep, choices about, about what to throw away. Uh, some of you have experienced the, the chapter that I'm in right now, and those of you who hadn't, if you're married, uh, 49.999% of you are going to experience it at some point in time. So you might as well think about it a little bit. Uh, but there, there are choices that have to be made. I know um, the day that Margaret passed, we were in, uh, we were in the, uh, the hospice, and we were cleaning out the room, and Valerie, uh, Margaret had a bear, had a stuffed bear. And uh, it was one they'd given to her at the hospital um, back in April, uh, and it had a name. The bear's name was Sir Coughsalot, uh, and it was it was specifically designed for people who cough a lot. And it it had uh, the back was kind of firm, and you could you could hold it uh, hold it tight. And apparently, it really helped when you coughed. And um, when I talked about a time to embrace, I talked about the healing power of an embrace and how. Uh, when Margaret would sometimes have episodes, she would say, you know, just hold me, hold me. Well, Sir Coughsalot got a lot of holding as well. When I wasn't there, he was, he was there. And sometimes when I was there, he was, he was there. Uh, and so Val goes, what about him? You want to keep him? I've been thinking about that bear a lot the last couple of days. No. He goes, because Sir Coughsalot will become Sir Chrysalot, and we don't necessarily need that. Uh, see, if someone's in my position and they keep everything, you can become emotionally crippled. Yeah. You know, I mean, it can, it can just, it can hold you down. Sometimes, I mean, the room never changed. Nothing has been touched in that room since they passed. Well, you know, it's become a shrine, sort of, and it's, and it's kind of become a, it's kind of become an anchor. That, uh, that holds, holds, holds somebody to the past. But if such a person throws everything away, then there's a lot of valuable stuff that is lost in the process. And so uh, one thing that I've realized is not to be rash or hasty, but be deliberate and, and do it, uh, and, uh, and that I need help. You know, it's, all, it's, all, it's okay to say to somebody, what do you think? You know, what, what, should I, what should I do here? Uh, there are other examples, other things that, uh, that happen in life. It's not just the passing of a loved one. Um, sickness. You know, sometimes a, a, a devastating sickness can come along, and you're in a new chapter. You're just in a new chapter of life. That's all there is to it. Uh, when we finally decided to, uh, uh, to file for disability for Margaret, they, one of the questions was about the doctor she had seen, and I couldn't remember the first one. I said, you know, that, that first guy you saw, the one that, that gave you that diagnosis, she said, I got it. She went and brought a, a card back, brought his card, and I said, I, I don't know that that... She said, that's him. 
I kept that card because that's the day my life changed. Uh, well, I didn't keep it. That wasn't the day my life changed, but, but there were other days that my life changed. But, you know, sickness can be, can be something. You have to decide what to keep, what to, what to throw away. Uh, adversity uh, of, of any number of kinds. It's not just stuff that looks bad on the surface. Fame. How many of you are famous? Okay, nobody yet, but how many of you are going to be famous? Okay, we got two. Connie, artists aren't famous till after they die. Uh, that's, that's when they become famous. But that's okay, because I have one of your paintings. That'd be great. I just, I just have to outlive you. Uh, <laughs> okay, I got distracted there. You know, becoming famous is, uh, you know, you might think, wow, that's good. Well, it's got an upside. It's got a downside. It's a new chapter. I mean, you get, you get the table that you want at the restaurant, but, but you're going to get interrupted too at the same time. Uh, fortune. How many of you have won the lottery? I didn't think so. I would have, didn't see it in the offering. Yeah. Uh, there, there should have. But you, but you all heard the stories about, you know, people win the lottery and they get all this money and it's not necessarily a good thing in their lives. And the reason is because they don't decide what to keep, what to throw away. There's a time when you enter a new chapter. Um, growing up. Growing up is one of those things that happens to us. It just does. Paul says over in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. When I was, when I was a little kid growing up, this must have been in the 50s. Yes, it was in the 50s. <clears throat> you know, in those days, they didn't have 24-7 TV, and they didn't have all these channels and everything. And if you wanted to see cartoons, you got up on Saturday morning. Can I get an amen? <laughs> okay. And I, and I remember thinking as a child, I don't know why adults don't do this. This is so much fun. Why don't they get up on Saturday morning and watch cartoons? When I grow up, I'm going to get up on Saturday morning and watch cartoons. I, I, that's, what I, that's what I thought. Well, I've figured it out since then. But that's not what happens. Uh, Peter Pan, you know, I'll never grow up. That, 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 that sounds like such a, wow, that is so cool. Well, it is if the only villains in your life are cartoon Captain Hooks with, with cartoon alligators, crocodiles, you know, chasing after them. You know, but if you got real life confronting you, you have to leave the ways of childhood behind sometimes. Now, we have to become like a child to enter into the kingdom, but there is a very important distinction between being childlike and childish. Those of you who were here at the service would have remembered me telling the story about when Margaret and I were engaged, um, we went and had dinner with some with some friends of mine from college, and the and the guy and I, you know, we we would we'd mess with each other. We like to call we call each other boy, you know, just kind of just kind of messing with each other. What are you doing, boy? You know that kind of thing. 
We get out in the parking lot. I don't even get the key in the ignition. That was back in the day when you had to put a key in an ignition to make your car start. I don't even get the key in the ignition before Margaret, you better not be a boy. I need a man. My life changed <laughs> with that sentence. Because it's, you can be childlike. I mean, she didn't have a problem with being childlike. She didn't want somebody childish, you know. That's the 40-year-old guy living in his mom's basement, visiting places on the internet he shouldn't go. Growing old is also a new chapter. I can't address that because I don't know much about it. Uh, but some of you do, so ask, you know, <laughs> ask somebody that looks old. Uh, so some of, these, some of these new chapters come, whether you want them to or not, they just come. Others come because you choose it. You're wanting to move to a, you're wanting to move to a new level. You're ready for a, a, different, a different season, a different phase in life. If you want to get married, you got to give up a level of independence. you got to give up a level of freedom. I heard one wife say, yep. Because if you aren't ready to do that, then you're only asking for a heartache bigger than you can possibly imagine and a train wreck. you got to be ready to, you got to be ready to give something up. Give quite a few things up. If you want to have children, you better be ready to give up some things big time. Yeah. Sleep, especially in the early days. <laughs> yeah. Money. <laughs> I remember uh, back before I went into ministry, I was working for Social Security. This is back in the 70s, I guess, maybe early 80s. And, and uh, this woman in the office was the operations supervisor. Uh, Emily Jackson was her name. And I remember her uh, saying one day, she said, you know, my husband and I have, have sat, sat down and done the math. If we hadn't had kids, if we, hadn't, if we didn't have kids, we'd have $3 million now. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, and freedom. I mean, you know, when you have kids, bye-bye to freedom. Bye-bye to independent. You're just not going to be running out and doing any, whatever, whenever, wherever that you want to do. You got to, you know, we, we, we tend to think, we kind of blithely tend to think, oh, freedom is the most precious thing that we have. Well, freedom is a very precious thing. You need to spend it on precious things. If you spend it on junk, that's, that's a problem. But there are, it, it is a currency in our lives. And if, and if it's spent on the right things, then it's, it's a valuable currency and it can bring valuable things to us. If you want to move to a new job, you may have to, you may have to give up some things for a season. You may have to give up some money, some time to get training, to get education, to get whatever it is that you need to do to be able to, to, be able to move into that, that new season of your life. If you want to go deeper in the Lord, if you actually do want more of God, you got to get rid of some things. You have to, you have to give up 
your self-sufficiency? You cannot be self-sufficient and have more of God. Because the more sufficient you are in you, the less of Him there's room for in your life. Now that was a lot better than just one that's right. Because it's true. You have to uh, give up your independence. You have to... uh, you know, when it comes to making decisions in your life, uh, there are just so many that we just make, 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 make. And, and, and so rarely that we stop and go, hey, God, what about this? What should I do here? Yeah. And you have to give up your pride. Let's talk about some things to throw away. I mean, that's... That's often fun. My, my parents' generation uh, grew up in the, in the Depression, and, and some of your parents' generation probably did too. And, and as a result, they wouldn't throw away anything. I mean, waste not, want not. That's the, that's the mantra that, uh, that they live by. Uh, we live in a time of plenty, and, we're, and we, our problem is we're just so neurotic. We can't find anything in the middle. You know, we either you know, fill up the landfill or, or we keep everything. I might, might need that some days. And, you know, why shouldn't we keep it? Because they now build storage units. Why shouldn't we keep it? There's more room in the thing dome to put stuff where we, where we live. Stuff will hold us back. And stuff will hold you back. Uh, Jesus had a man come up to him one time and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you keep the commandments. You know the commandments. Yeah, I, I, well, you know, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't, don't steal, honor your father and mother. I've, I've done that. I've done all that. What must I do? Because something's missing. I, I don't want the general answer. I want my answer. Boy, when you, when you say that to God, whoo, you better get ready because he's got an answer and he knows exactly what it is for you. And in this guy's case, it was, okay, sell everything you have and give to the poor and then come. Walk with me. Be one of my disciples. Have the opportunity to walk day by day with Jesus Christ in the flesh. And the guy didn't do it. But the Bible says his face fell. He went away sad because he had a lot of stuff. He had, he had great wealth. But it's not just stuff. It's not just stuff that, that, that'll hold us back, stuff that we need to get rid of. There's the obvious, uh, there's the obvious things in our life. When, when Jacob uh, returned to Bethel, he told the, people in his, he told the people in his family, he said, okay, get rid of your foreign gods, purify yourself. We're going up to the house of the Lord. So, yeah, we need to get rid of idols. We need to, we need to purify. That's, that's the obvious, obvious stuff. And, and there are obvious things in our lives that we need to throw away. And there are obvious things in your life and in my life that, that need to be thrown away. And you know what the obvious things are in your life, and I know what the obvious things in, are in my life. Paul calls them the, the sin that so easily entangles us. You know what it is. You know, I, there's no need for me to... Uh, read out a list. If I did, I'd just be telling you my list. 
And I don't want you to know my list. <laughs> but I know it, and you know what, you know what yours is. Um, for a lot of people, especially in our culture, immorality is the first thing that, that, that comes to mind. Uh, so, yes, immorality. Okay. But what about those sins? What about those sins we excuse? What about those sins that we, the others? Uh, I call them the ghost sins. And the reason that I call them the ghost sins is, is because we aren't really sure if we've ever encountered one. You know, we know, we know there, there's a spirit world out there. We know that there's, you know, there's woo-woo out there for sure. But we're not really sure, you know, if, if, we've, if we've hit on one of these or not. And uh, I'll mention four. One of the ghost sins. This one's real scary. Is greed. Greed. Yeah. This, uh, this sort of became the American way back in the 80s. That seems to happen every 100 years. The 80s come along. We have a new gilded age, and it's okay to, it's okay to, be, uh, it's okay to be greedy. Uh, we think of ourselves as being generous. We think of ourselves as being extremely generous people. Well, we're probably wrong. We, uh, see, when you have more as, as, as a people, when you have more than everybody else, and you still don't think you have enough, you need a bigger share of the pie, I think you've probably crossed over the line maybe into greed. And that, and that happens as, as individuals as well. Uh, kind of go, well, we, I gave this much, you know, and I don't see anybody else doing that. Well, when Jesus saw people bringing their offerings, and he saw these guys bringing these huge fortunes and putting them in, I guess they won the lottery or something. And, and, then, uh, and then he saw this poor woman put in a couple of coins. He said to his disciples, he said, you know, let me tell you who, let me tell you who gave the most today. It's her. Because they just gave out of their abundance. She gave out of her need, out of her sacrifice. Uh, you know, and, and I know we have a tendency to go, well, I'm just simply enjoying what I worked hard for. Well, yeah, you know, there are a lot of people who work hard in this world and don't get much back. Really are. I, I need to save for a rainy day. Well, save, yeah, save for a rainy day. There's nothing wrong with that. Hoard for a rainy day is a different matter. It's a different issue. The last... Uh, the last two or three weeks, I, things have been getting a lot better for me emotionally and everything the last two or three weeks. And, and one of the things that's happened uh, is, I, is I found myself, especially at night, I'll just say out loud, this is my life now. And at first, I was saying, this is my life now. Oh, isn't, it, isn't that pitiful? But it's kind of shifted over. This is my life now. It's not really all that bad. I've got, got a lot of people that care about me, and probably even more importantly, I've got a lot of people I care about. I've got, I've got a strong church. I've got a strong relationship with the Lord. I've got, and beyond those things that are extremely important, I've got a roof over my head. I've got running water. I've got hot running water. I've got soft water treated hot 
running water. And I've got ice cubes if I want it to be cold water. And I've got food all over this place. I've got a refrigerator that's got food in it. I've got pantries with food in it. This is my life now, and about 95% of the planet would trade places with me. I don't know how many of them want to be 69 years old, but they'd trade places with me otherwise, you know, in terms of all, all those other things. They really would. We're blessed. And we want more. We have a tendency to want more. Because of another ghost sin, fear. It's not always greed. Sometimes it's fear. So we live in a culture of fear. Fear is used to motivate us. It's used to motivate us to buy things. It's used to motivate us to, to, to vote. It's, it's used to motivate us to go places and, and do things. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's either lust or fear. Those are the, those are the two motivators that, that turn the wheels and grease, grease the wheels. And when people of faith received a visitation from God, which is, now, now that's, that's about as, that's when, that's when fear really should kick in. The first things that they would always hear is, don't be afraid. Fear not. Fear not. Well, if I shouldn't fear, you know, when I got a, a freaking archangel with a flaming sword standing here in front of me, then, you know, why should I fear anything that the world's got that it can bring? I mean, why? Is he my defender or is he not? Do I, do I trust him or do I not? Revelation 21.8 lists those who experience the second death. And it has a list there. And the first thing on the list is the fearful, the cowardly. It's the first thing on the list. Now, you wouldn't have thought that would have made the top of it. But it's number one. Has been for centuries now. Hadn't changed. Another uh, phantom sin, ghost sin, if you will, is guilt. How many of you have ever felt guilty about something? Okay, and hopefully the rest of you, you just, there's something wrong with your arm. <laughs> because the Bible says if we say we've never sinned, then we, we call God a liar. His word doesn't have any place in our hearts, in our lives. But the good news is that if we confess our sins, He's faithful, He's just, He'll forgive us of our sins, He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a, that's a mouthful. Back, back in the 90s, what was the guy's name? Sean McClurkin? Yeah. Yeah, had a, had a song. It wasn't a big hit, but boy, it made an impression on me. It made an impression on Barbie, too, because she remembers the guy's name. But, uh, uh, and I, uh, I only remember the chorus, but I know what the song was about. The song was about, he would pass a monastery every day. And when he passed this monastery, he would, he'd, he, he could just feel like the presence of the Lord and the, and the sacredness and the, and the holiness of the place. And, and so one day he actually met one of the, one of the guys, one of the monks in the monastery. And he said, now, how do you guys do it? What, what's the secret? And the secret was the chorus, we fall down, we get up. We fall down and we get up. We fall down 
we get up. That's what we do. Guilt is, 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 is one thing. Conviction is another. And conviction comes from God. And, and it brings repentance in our lives. Guilt brings death. Guilt brings death in our lives. How many times will God forgive? Well, I, you know, I don't know. I can't count that high. I know that he told Peter that he needed to forgive somebody if, if they repented um, at least 77 times a day. And in fact, you know, that probably could be translated 490 times a day. Now, I've, done, I've got a lot of experience with repenting. I've, I've done quite a bit of it and did some of it yesterday, and I, I probably need to do some today. I don't know. But I don't know that I've ever made it to 77 times. And uh, although I, I know I've needed to be there 490 times, but I suspect that God's probably a little bit more capable of doing above and beyond what he told Peter to do. And that he's willing to. Well, I, you know, God, God is going to get tired of forgiving me. No, he's not. No, he isn't. This is how it works. This, this, this is how we get there, step by step. If God has forgiven you, why are you carrying the guilt? Why are you carrying that load? Why are you carrying that burden? There is a time to throw away. There's a time to let, and throwing away isn't scattering. It's getting rid of. It's not helping you on your journey. Do you think that by carrying guilt, you can add something to Christ's sacrifice? You're right. You are right. There's somebody not fearful. <laughs> yeah. Because if you do, then there's one more ghost in here, and that's pride. You know? You can't add anything to what Christ has done. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, and if you, and if you go out and you, and you lay down your life and, you're and you do a good deed, you help this person, you gave this away, you, you did that, man, I've had a pretty good day. I'm doing pretty well. Well, Jesus said, what you need to do is go down, and is, it, when you come in, is go, you know, I'm just an unworthy servant. What do I need to do next? Because that's what it is. Okay, well, what do we keep? Uh, you've taken a lot of time talking about what we throw away. What do we keep? Well, it's not going to take very long to talk about what to keep because there's not a lot. There's not a lot. Well, I will say this. We keep what we want to keep. But we keep what we want to keep. That's what we make that decision. And what we keep is about what we value. Say, so, well, you know, wait a minute, you were talking about guilt and, and, and uh, uh, greed and, and those things. That you, nobody values guilt. Oh, yeah. Yes, they do. Uh, some people, that guilt has become so familiar. It's that comfort blanket that they're, that, they're, that they're holding on to and hugging, wouldn't let go of that thing for the world. Yeah. What we keep is based on what we value. When Esau came in, one day from, from, from hunting, and his, and his brother Jacob was cooking some stew, and he said, oh, give me some of that stew. And Jacob, <laughs> what a guy. Uh, you know, 
Jacob goes, I'll give you some stew in exchange for your birthright. And, uh, and, 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 and Esau goes, well, birthright? I, mean, I can't see your birthright. birthright. I'm hungry. Give me some stew. So he, he traded you know, the, his birthright for his stew because he couldn't. You know, the two, I'd much rather have Esau for a next door neighbor than Jacob. J- Jacob would mess, mess me over somehow. He, he, he'd get me. Esau, Esau would help you, help you dig a hole. I mean, Esau would do whatever you, you needed him to do. He's a uh, hale and hearty, well-met guy. Uh, but Jacob could see the invisible. Jacob could see what was truly valuable. That's why, that's why he found favor with God where Esau didn't. And so Esau sold his birthright for a, a, a bowl of stew, and it says he despised his birthright. He threw away his birthright. We, we throw away things of great value in exchange for a bowl of stew all the time. Because we're guided by this world's value system. It's important to travel light through this world. It's important to travel light. It's important. Throwing away is a part of keeping. Because if you keep everything, if you throw away nothing and you keep everything, nothing is of value. Everything is, 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 is the same value. Um, there was a guy named Steve Chapman. It's not Stephen Curtis Chapman, but Steve Chapman played in a group called Dogwood. And I remember him, I remember him one night sharing about, he had been out hiking the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> He's a Christian hippie. And he had been out hiking the Appalachian Trail, and he had, he had, been, uh, had this conversation with a guy on the trail. And after a while, the guy just went, you know, man, you, you got, your life is really together. You've really got your, you seem to really have your priorities in place. And I'll never forget what. Steve replied to him. He said, yeah, I've got them down to one. Got my priorities down to one. And you see, that's why it doesn't take too long to talk about what to keep. Because once you get your priorities down to one, and it's the right one, everything else falls in place. Everything else comes into, into focus. And of course, that one is God, please God. And the way that you do it is also very simple. You can get that down to one word. That's love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and then do what you want to do. Because you love God with everything in you. Love your neighbor. Love as I have loved you. You fulfill all of the law's commands, all of its requirements because of love. And love is not about what you feel. It's about what you do. It's what you choose to do. So there are things that need to be thrown away so that God can become first. Let go of fear. Let go of greed. Let go of, of, of pride, of immorality, of guilt, stuff. Keep love. Keep God. 